0: Alright, obviously that's not the book of James, uh, but it is a passage that is appropriate uh, for the Passion Week. And so I thought we would look at John chapter 13 tonight. Uh, Let me remind you of where we are in the Gospel of John. Uh, The first part of the book of John, Jesus has come to his own people, he has arrived at their feast... And they have rejected him. If you remember the beginning of the book of John, the first chapter where it's, you know, uh, he says he came to his own people and they received him not. And that builds all the way up to this chapter in chapter 13. Jesus is being rejected time after time. And he comes in chapter 13 and he is alone with his disciples, the people that love him, For the first time. And so you can imagine the emotion surrounding uh, this moment. Uh, The passion is to come. It's the evening of Passover. These are some of the most emotional moments in Jesus' life. Where he's going to talk to them about the confusion and the crisis of the next few days the next few gut-wrenching days. And so, get into the passage with me and feel the emotion as we come to this passage because it is a very sweet time for Jesus and his disciples. And I pray that it will be a sweet time for us as well. Let me pray and we'll dig in. Father, um, we need your spirit to come. Uh, We are helpless people. We can't even understand this passage without your help. And so we um, desperately need you to open up our eyes. Father, this is a challenging passage, and it will require a work of your spirit if we're ever going to live it out. And so would you come apply the gospel to our hearts in the service of Jesus So that this campus will never be the same. It's in His name we pray. Amen. Look at verse 1. Having loved His people as His own, He loved them to the end. Jesus showed the full extent of His love by doing what? By serving the disciples. The question that we're looking at tonight is how do we become footwashers? Meaning, how do we become a people that stoop low to serve the world around us? Well, this passage shows us three ways. One, if you have an outline, you'll see it on the back. We find our identity in Christ. Look at verses one through five. As I've said, it's the evening of Passover and the Passion is to come, and Jesus has gathered with his disciples in this upper room. And when they walk in for dinner, there is no peasant there to greet them. That was typical. There would be a peasant there to greet them when they arrived to wash their feet. But there was no one in sight on this particular night. You see, foot washing was an absolute necessity in Christ's day. You've heard me say that they wore chacos before chacos were cool and cost a fortune. That's really what they wore, uh, open-toed sandals, and there was no modern-day sewage. And so they were mucking around all day in manure and urine and garbage and all kinds of filth and nastiness. And when they would recline for dinner, they would lay on one arm and put their feet out beside them. And so their feet were sticking in one another's faces and around the food. No one wants stinky feet in their face, nor do they want stinky, nasty feet around the food. And so washing feet was an absolute necessity in Christ's day. But here's the thing, it always fell on the lowliest slave in the house to wash the feet. And not only that, it was never a Jewish person, always a Gentile, never a man, always a woman or a child. And so here sits Jesus and his disciples And they're sitting around this table, and there's no one there to wash their feet. And then suddenly, guess who gets up? Jesus gets up and he takes off his outer garments. Is that distracting? It's distracting me. So I'm going to go here. All right. Can you turn this on? not a fan of this mic anyway so bear with me and so here's the picture Jesus gets up and he takes off his outer garments and he walks over to the basin and he grabs a towel and it's a slave's towel meaning it was extra long So that he could wrap it around his waist and have plenty of extra in order to wash and to wipe the feet of the disciples. And he grabs the basin and suddenly the one who rose from the table is now lower than anyone in the room. Jesus is on his hands and knees, dressed like a lowly slave, doing the work of a peasant. You with me here? You getting the picture? And so you can imagine how big a deal this is. The disciples see this happening and they're absolutely dumbfounded. As Jesus goes down the row and starts taking off the sandals of perhaps Andrew and Judas, even the one that would betray him, And he gently pours water on each foot and cleans it and dries it off. Then he moves to the next disciple and to the next. You can only imagine how the silence has filled this room. And all you can hear is water lapping in a bowl. And Jesus scuffling across the floor on his hands and knees. I don't know about you, but I find that quite shocking. And here's why it's shocking. Because one of the common excuses for us not loving people more and serving them and reaching out to the people around us, one of the most common excuses I know because I use it is our circumstances. Think about it. When you're weighed down with stuff, the last thing you want to do is serve someone. When you're weighed down with tests and finals and relationship problems and activities and projects, what is the first thing you want to do? First thing I want to do is nothing. I want people to serve me. I mean, if I could count the number of times I've been like, Susie... I've got a lot going on. Can you help me out here? I'm stressed. But then we look at John chapter 13. What about Jesus' circumstances? Horrible. He's going to die in a few short days. He knows it. And yet, what does he do? He gets down on his hands and knees and serves. And washes feet, and I'm sitting here thinking, Jesus, how tempting would it have been? I mean, he could have said, "Guys, do you know what's about to happen to me? I mean, get a grip. I need you to comfort me. I need you to wash my feet. I need you to encourage me and give me some words that would help me." Yet, in his utterly, self, he's utterly selfless at the moment that it would be most tempting to be selfish. And so the question is, how does he do it? How is he so other-centered in a moment of crisis when his circumstances are terrible? The passage tells us. Look at verses 1 and 3. It says that Jesus knew some things. What did he know? Look at the Bible. Look at those uh, verses with me. He knew his destiny... And he knew his identity. He knew who he was. And that freed him to serve. He knew that he belonged to the Father. And he knew he was going back to the Father. Thomas Jefferson, when he was president, was riding with some of his companions down the riverbank. And they came to a bridge that they were going to cross but realized that a storm had completely knocked out the bridge that they were to cross to get to the other side of the river. The next bridge was miles down the river bank and so they were decided to risk it by crossing through the river on horseback. Well, there were some other men at this uh, crossing. They didn't know what to do. They, they didn't know that Uh, There was another bridge miles down the road, and they needed to get across as well. And so one of the men walked up to Thomas Jefferson and says, Can I ride with you to the other side of the river? And he says, Sure. Thomas Jefferson and this man make it safely across to the other side. The man dismounts the horse, and another one of his companions, Jefferson's companions, comes up and says... Why did you pick the President of the United States? Why did you pick his horse and ask him for a ride across the river? The man is utterly shocked. That's the president? He had no idea it was Thomas Jefferson. He said, Well, why did you pick him? And the man looks at him and, and the man looks at him and says, Well, I looked at all the men and their faces. And as I looked at them, I noticed that some of the men had faces that said no. But others had faces that said yes. Thomas Jefferson had a face that said yes. You see, Jesus could serve in the most horrible of circumstances and be other-centered because he knew his father had a face that said yes. And I want to suggest that that's what's going to free us to serve those around us. It's when we understand that in the gospel, because of what Jesus has done for us, God looks at you, if you are a Christian, always with a face that says yes. You see, when we get that, that frees us from being consumed with ourselves and being a bundle of selfishness and self-concern to move towards other people and serve them and wash their feet. So how do we become foot washers? Well, first we find our identity in Jesus and then we receive his service. Look at verses 6 through 11. He comes to Peter. Peter. Pretty interesting exchange here. And as Peter sees Jesus scooting towards him, Peter puts out his hand and says, No way! You will never wash my feet. Perhaps Peter was thinking to himself, If my master does this for me, it violates everything that I bargained for. It it violates everything I, I ever wanted him to be. Peter's thinking, I wanted Jesus to rule and reign and set up shop, and I wanted to be on the throne right next to him. I never wanted this embarrassment for him or for me. Here is my king washing my feet. Perhaps that's what he was thinking. Or perhaps Peter knew. That if Jesus did this for him, then that meant what? That he had to go and do that for other people as well. And so Jesus looks at him, says, Peter, you don't really get what I'm doing, but you will. And then look what Peter says, still not satisfied, draws back. You can see him curling back his legs, like, no way. Jesus, you'll never wash my feet. And then Jesus says, if I don't wash you, you will have no part of me. Why does Jesus say that? Because it was never about the foot washing. You see, the foot washing pointed us to the cross. To the foot of the cross. Look at verse 7. That's why he says, later. Later it will click, Peter. It's not making sense now, but it will. You see, here they saw their master lying aside his garments and stooping low to serve them. And what's interesting is that word to lay aside there, we see that same word in chapter 10 when John says the good shepherd will lay aside his life. For the sheep, You see, here we see Jesus in a loincloth, stooping low to wash feet. But in a few days, Jesus would still be in a loincloth, but this time he would be hanging from a cross, stooping even lower than he is in this passage, and dying for your sins. Here we see Jesus presenting with a bowl of water. In a few days we'll see Jesus presenting with a bowl of his own blood. Here we see Jesus giving himself at the Passover dinner. In a few days Jesus will offer himself as the Passover lamb. And I want to suggest that it is this very selfless service that unites you to Jesus. Because the reality is, the real cleansing comes not from the foot washing, but it comes from to, to, uh, what the foot washing pointed to, and that is the foot of the cross. It's a key point you can't miss, okay? You got, can't miss this. You will never find life with Jesus if you reject His service. You see, that's what he was telling Peter. He's saying, Peter, you don't get it. Unless I cleanse you, then you have no part of me. Here's what Jesus is saying. You have got, if you ever are going to receive my service, to receive this service, you've got to realize that you've got stinky feet. You've got to realize that you're needy, that you need this cleansing more than anything in the world. And so to receive what Jesus offers, that's what he was saying to Peter, you've got to realize how desperately you need it because you're needy and dirty and you need to be served by Jesus. You need to be cleansed by him because when you see Jesus at your feet serving you, it points you and shows you your own need. It shows you your sin and what had to be done, and that pushes you out to the world. Because you'll serve others no matter what the cost when you realize that your Savior served you. And it cost him everything. How do we become footwashers? Identify find our identity in Christ. Receive his service. And then lastly, follow his example. So get in. Here's, here's the deal. The disciples are totally shocked, okay? They're seeing this exchange with Jesus and Peter. And then Jesus goes and rises, puts back on his outer garments, puts back the basin and the towel. And he goes and he sits down at the table. And the disciples are surely thinking, what in the world just happened? What does all of this mean? And then Jesus in his sweet wisdom look at the passage, speaks to their questions and says, do you understand what I've done for you? Perhaps the disciples are saying, well, yes, you washed our feet and we're really not sure why. And perhaps the disciples are saying, listen, Jesus, we were eating, we were fine with eating with dirty feet and at worst you could have asked one of us to do it. And then you know what Jesus does? Just that. He asked them, and he asked us to do it. Look at verses 13 through 17. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, go and wash one another's feet. I've set the example. I tell you the truth. No servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. There's the application. And it really doesn't get more clear than that. But here's the truth because of our sin, you and I want to be kings, we don't want to be servants. Jesus calls us to be servants. He calls us to move towards other people, to love and to serve them. And here's the thing. He doesn't just call us to serve the people that are easy to serve and that we love. Look at this passage. He calls us, if you think about it, to get down on our hands and knees and to serve even our enemies. Here's who's in the room that night. Jesus serves Judas who what? betrays him for pennies. Peter, who would say he never even knew him, not once, not twice, three times, and then the other ten, they're no better. You know what they did? They headed for the hills when Jesus needed them the most. And so no one in the room this evening, in this upper room, deserved it. And Jesus got down and he served every single one of them. What does that mean for us? It means that you identify the one person in your life who has maxed out your compassion quota. And you go love them. It means that you identify the one person in your life who doesn't deserve it. And you go serve them and love them. Why? Because Jesus loved and served you when you didn't deserve it. It means that you identify the one person in your life that you view as beneath you and you go lower and you serve them and you love them. It means that you ridiculously give yourself away in all of your relationships. So how do we become foot washers in a community that serves this campus? We find our identity in Jesus that frees us up from insecurity because we're secure in him. Then we receive his service and we receive his service by saying, we're dirty. We got stinky feet, Jesus, please cleanse us. And then we follow his example and we move out into the world. Oh, how we would find Jesus at our feet serving us. But oh, how the world would find us at their feet serving them. Let's pray. Father, forgive us for our arrogance of wanting to live like kings and masters. When you have called us to live like servants that love people and serve them. Father, the only way we're going to do that is to see how much you have served us. It won't be by trying harder and uh, trying to do better and just working more in a big to-do list. It comes through the gospel changing us, and that only comes through your spirit. And so we ask you to come now and really work through your spirit. Even as we sing these songs, would we sing them deep into our hearts? For they are truth. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.